gangsters, what's up guys? Ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of Stream B Podcast. I'm your host and co-founder, Alex Musabai, and joining me is my co-host and co-founder. Say what's up to the people, Frankie. What is going on, people? Excited to talk WandaVision with these very special people in our lives. Yes, we have uh, some very, very special guests here. Joining us from the Miami Heat Beat Podcast, we have Miss Tiffany Meeks. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? Fuck them shows. Fuck them shows, fuck them numbers, fuck your magic marvel. We're going to get into all that. I'm so happy that Tiffany's here because I already know that her and I are, are, are coming into this with similar viewpoints. And joining us as well is one of my good friends from out all of time. I don't know why I went there. We went super personal, but it's my boy, Christian Hernandez, Mr. I Can Be Your, num- I can be your Hero. Why do I always fuck up your Twitter handle? I don't know if you've gotten it right one time, but... <laughs> I don't think I've ever gotten it right. Yeah, but I'm feeling good, Alex, and I'm happy to be here. I actually just got a new mic set up, so I hope that everything's coming through clearly, but I'm very excited to talk about WandaVision and whatever else you guys are ready to talk about today. You sound great. You look great. You look like you're about to drop the most fire beat of all time. Like you're in the booth. You have the next verse just ready to go. Are, we, like do, are we doing YouTube or is this still just audio? Uh... No, this is just for us. I'm just letting the people know that you look great. <laughs> well, that's good. I, I want them to know. I came prepared. He's got the swagger of uh, vision with the chain. He's got the go swagger on. of vision with the chain. And uh, that's, a, that's a great place to start. You want to know why, Frankie? And I'm going to hit you with this because I, I've been waiting to say this to you all day. The best part of this finale was getting those memes of Vision with the chain. And that just goes to show you how disappointed I was with this final episode. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I hadn't heard your opinion yet. You said, I saw you bouncing around in the group chat after your first watch. And then you thought about it and you said you had a hot take. So I was wondering, is this really you or are you just ready for the hot take? No, this is, this is really me. Like I, I even went back to rewatch it and it made me more upset with just how easy and safe this finale was. Okay. Uh, That's very valid. I I feel like, and Tiffany, I'm going to go to you with this one because I feel like you and I feel the same way. This show took so many twists and turns and was so unique creatively and really pushed the boundary. And then at the end, they wrapped it up like a Disney original movie. Like it was just quick, like, oh, she knows magic. She, She got it. By the way, spoiler alert. If you didn't watch the finale, I don't know what the fuck you're doing here. Tiffany, what do you got? (laughs) Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you. It was so... um it was lackluster it was it, it was very lackluster uh it, it it reminded me of the old like bed knobs and broomsticks and all those things like we're gonna take you to the edge and then we're just gonna leave you there 
They didn't even drop yes. us off anywhere. They just left us. But I think one of the things about it is that there's so many films and, you know, we've got all these series coming. Some people don't watch the films and some people don't watch TV. And so I think Marvel knows where its bread and butter is and the bread and butter it's in the movies. So they gave us just a taste as to what could possibly be coming when it comes to the Scarlet Witch and all these things. But like, they're not going to like play their hand and say, okay, all you Dr. Strange people, you must watch this show. Like they're not, they're not going to do that. You know, I think, which, that's, I think, I think you're absolutely right. That's a valid point. Uh, it was something that I thought of today, especially all the fan theories. We, I will say it myself, all the fan theories. I built it up in my head that there was going to be a massive reveal. Now, I will say that they were also baiting us along the way, so that doesn't help. But it's true. Why are they going to waste a Al Pacino as Mephisto? As I so, I was ready to put my heat beat dollars on it, you know? Uh, but why would they waste that on a television show? I mean, Christian, I, I, I'm curious your take on this because, look, I, I preface all of this by saying that the series as a whole is a massive accomplishment for Marvel. We, they should be celebrating what they've accomplished because it has far exceeded anybody's expectations. But the, it just didn't deliver at the end. And what I was afraid of is that it would alter everyone's overall perception of the series. So Christian, I know you felt good about it. After this finale, what's your thoughts on the series as a whole? Well, I guess my, my question because you said it was safe, right? Was that the, the word you used? Yes. What was safe about it? Because, like, to me, like, the final episode was a very big change from the rest of the show. Like, the rest of the show, it really did, it wasn't really about superpowers. and It wasn't about, you know, them being flaunted in your face constantly. And the final episode was a giant CGI battle for the most part. So, like, I'm curious how you, in what sense it was safe for you. So, for me, what... I gravitated towards most in this show and what I thought was most compelling is the way that they were able to keep these characters that are so above your head, literally grounded. And even, even like the most uh, emotional or action packed moment was the, the, the discussion between Wanda and vision with the credits. It's nothing massive in the, in the sense of Marvel, but the context of it and what they're delivering to you is so honest and grounded in it. Like for me, I felt that this episode, this finale could have almost been two episodes. Where was the struggle of Wanda having to say goodbye to her children? I'm not, I'm, I understand that she had accepted it, but this is a show that has been so about her grief and showing it in a human way. What's not more tragic than having to say goodbye to your children and family. And it felt almost like they put it in a microwave and I got it in a quick instant i'm assuming you're talking about like the very end where you yes. hear her son calling out and then she disappears right no i'm talking no, she, about yeah he's talking ta about like when they disappear he, like like yeah. when they kiss him good night and they he she uh the oh, parents know that they're well, going I, I thought that that was kind of addressed at the very end with her kind i mean clearly it must be her hearing maybe her kids in a different universe and maybe that's yeah that's the setup the next feature films which we'll talk about because i do think that the timeline of the films is is very interesting and great planning by kevin feige but but yeah for for me when i say it felt safe it was just 
they they threw in a big battle scene in there. All of a sudden, Wanda just understood that she had magic. And I didn't get those those real emotional moments that I, I just wanted at the end. I, I got a little bit of it, but it just wasn't enough. It was too easy. Right. I think for me, too, I was um, thrown off by... Uh, there's this scene where it almost was like she became the enchantress when she whispers in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in um, Agatha's ear. Yeah. Right. And then takes her back to Salem. So it's like, for me, I was kind of like, Oh, like, where did she, when did this happen? Where did she learn all of a sudden? All the age of Ultron. That's how she was introduced. She oh, did okay. do that to okay. Tony Stark. That was a reference okay. to when okay. she when we first saw okay. her. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But okay. that was that was the actual first time we've seen her in that that scene. Because I watched Age of Ultron this week and and like she puts right Cap- where she physically goes yeah. with the that's what yeah. i'm talking about yeah, yeah. because when she did it to like uh thor and and everyone else mm-hmm. she didn't go with them physically right. this time she physically went back to salem with her so i was just a little bit confused as to the learning curve and like how fat but obviously also it's kind of like there are just going to be things that aren't going to be explained in what was it 45 minutes yeah. So Correct. you, you, you got to put a button on it somewhere. Absolutely. So some things do have to like fall to the side. Mm-hmm. But um, they also they also really did it in subtle ways as well. Because remember in, in the very beginning of this episode, uh, when uh, Agnes is telling Wanda she's the Scarlet Witch, Wanda is like, what are you talking about? I don't do spells. I just do. I, I don't know what I do. I, I don't know what my powers are, but it's not spells. I don't do incantations. And Agatha explains that that's the power of the Scarlet Witch. She doesn't need to do spells. She doesn't need to do that. But And there's little subtle things where Agatha will do a trick and, and Wanda will just watch it and learn it. And that's her, her powers and her abilities. And that's how they set it up. They don't say it like outright, but I did notice there are little things like, uh, for example, when a- Agatha, the scene uh, where Agatha is in the crowd and she just mm-hmm. like claps and disappears, Wanda ends up doing that later. The runes, another thing where she just mm. th- does that. So there's little subtle hints at that, that she's able to like learn quickly and uh, like almost uh, mirror image it and, and copy the, the same abilities. Uh, but definitely they could have done a better job explaining that. Um, Agatha, like some little exposition from Agatha would have been great. Like uh, something subtle like that. But, th- but those are things like, those, I, I feel like for the overall point of the episode, I don't think that like kills the episode uh as far as like some people think like the one the one absolute big thing that i hated was the ralph boner thing i mean yeah that was what the hell i i think that was marvel kind of telling people like we're not gonna give you layups in terms of just predicting what's gonna happen that was clearly no no, but but like, no, but you know, but you that, can but you can no. find a much better joke than a fourth grade Ralph Boner joke. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I will say this: somebody else brought this to my attention. I, I I can't remember the podcast right now, but I did hear someone say this, and it made total sense. You have to use this version of Pietro if you want the audience to believe that it could in fact be Pietro, so you can tell this story. But Here's that was the problem only thing with it. they did, though. And that it's, it's not just about Pietro. It's about a lot of the things around Agatha in the last couple episodes. The bunny, the, the bug on the wall. Like, yes. they, kept, they kept trying to tease things, knowing but, where fans would take them. Ultimately, right. 
to have that just thrown aside as they just told their story. Right. So I thought I thought that was interesting. That like that that all the other, all the little Easter eggs, the bunny, the the name of the bunny, uh, Mister Senor Scratch or whatever his name Senor is, Senor Scratchy, yeah, Senor Scratchy, uh, the the fly, all those things are great Easter eggs, which I I'm not mad at because there's nothing like that fan theories that that have that are just like oh look at that what could that mean and and, and nothing comes to fruition because nothing in the show led that uh, led to that belief uh, just besides that Easter egg that's fine but this was a, a plain like in your face like the 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 show was if they wanted to do a switch they could have used aaron taylor johnson it wouldn't have it wouldn't this was just like an f you to the to the audience this was just like oh uh we know what you're looking for we know what you might think this is this is absolutely not what it is this is like granted this is something they could rectify in the future with like multiverse of madness and say hey that's uh she got this whatever because of uh Quicksilver, whatever they want to do, but as is as just Wandavision, that was a fuck you to me. Everything else, like I can understand, I I, I get it as in in the show, in the frame of the show, it made sense. That didn't make sense. I'm I'm just more pissed off that like okay, so what? So he had Pietro's powers just because he was wearing some fucking puka shells. Like I, it, it just everything oh, about. No, no, no. Everything about that pissed me off. I'm with you, Frankie. I, I hate the Ralph Boner shit. Um, there, there's so much though, even, okay. So Dottie, Dottie was nobody. Tiffany, we thought Dottie was going to be some big bad bitch, another witch or some shit. Like she ended up just being a mom that wanted to see her kids. And I felt fucking terrible for her. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, um, that was part of them leading us astray. Like that was, that was the misdirection. And those are the, you know, and it's like, I was like pissed off. Cause I was like, oh, so Dottie's just sad but then it's like it gave me a little bit like okay i see they got me because the whole time in my mind i was waiting for Dottie to like show up and be like gotcha yeah. but but, see, but, that, just, but that's that's part of what i'm talking about right right, here. right so like, i'm saying like you guys yeah. started running with these ideas and all they did in that scene was explain what wanda had been doing to these poor people the whole time and it was as simple as that like that you know, that was actually one of my favorite moments of of the episode when when people actually finally came back to life and started going after Wanda. Right. That was one of the few times where I actually right. felt like okay, she's getting well, she's getting a real moment there. Right. But there's no running with the idea. They planted the idea that Dottie could no. be Well, who planted? Could it? be. Who planted? No, the I show. Agatha. Yeah, but yeah, I, but I'm Agatha. saying no. no I'm it really of was the, Agatha but, all along, which is what right. I'm pissed off about. Right, but I'm saying <laughs> as far as the writers go, they planned it. That was that was part of the misdirection of the show. Oh, where do you we're think gonna that like started though. Do you think it was in the scene where where Jimmy was speaking through the void and Wanda heard it, and you guys thought that maybe she was manipulating Wanda? Like, how did that? Because I'm trying to figure out how you guys got to Dottie possibly being involved. There was there was a point at when she was first introduced that Agatha very clearly said, you know, Dottie runs everything here. Oh, that's fair. Reliable source. Reliable source, huh? 
But remember, right. that's yeah. part that yeah. that's part of the misdirection. And right. then yeah. once you do get to the, it was you know it was Agatha all along. All along. Then you go okay. But guys, you guys she... are mad because the villain lied to you. You trusted the villain. Like, <laughs> like if, if, if Captain America said there, Dottie is 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 bad, and and Dottie's a good guy. You're like okay, I understand. Captain America would lead me astray. Like what the fuck, Cap? Why do yeah. you lead me astray? And but, I, 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 Frankie, I, I remember I wanted to you guys all had no. your, your suspicions about her in the very beginning. Yeah. So it was, yeah. No, I had suspicions yeah. too. I said maybe yeah. this is possible. But I, I also let it go. Let the show run its course. And, and I'm mad at Agatha for lying. Agatha's a bad guy. She, does, she lied all along. Are you are you saying the whole show, the whole first four episodes? I'm going to turn the song sick on right now. I need to play in the background. I don't know if we have clearance to play that. Uh, no, it's just here to No, but like it, you, you can't be mad at Agatha for lying. She did. That's what her whole gimmick was when it was sitcom life. She was lying. I mean, that's fair, but Frankie. I'm still upset. I wanted to be right or surprised no, about something. No, there was no you. surprise. There was no surprise. Look, okay, you're gonna talk. You're gonna set up this whole like, and we see Christian just going ham right now, <laughs> listening to Agatha all along. <laughs> you were, I mean, you're setting up this whole thing that it could possibly be uh, an aerospace engineer, and then you reveal you. the arrow. And then no, 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 no. no hold no. on, hold on, hold on. You reveal the aerospace engineer, and then you go into the next episode with people still wondering did they reveal the aerospace engineer was that it like they didn't even it, it was so nothing that nobody even realized it happened okay you're doing all of these things and there's no payoff at the end moose you casted the aerospace engineer they mentioned a throwaway comment you casted it you gave them a movie franchise it was supposed to be john yeah. krasinski they did okay, it off this so episode that's nothing on the show that is you who messed up and had and went wild no. with this theory don't blame no. kevin feige for that no, shit. i'm i oh i am writing kevin feige a very strongly worded letter <laughs> Karen Musebai over here upset <laughs> because aerospace engineer wasn't 42 year old John Krasinski who they want to lead a movie franchise for the next 12 years I don't think we it's gonna it. be Krasinski by the way that we'll talk about that another day whenever they yeah, do we'll cast, save that we'll save I, that I don't think yeah. it's gonna be Krasinski I think he's too old but, okay so but let, that's let the me... thing. That's a, that's an example. Like the Dottie thing already. Aerospace engineer. Like you guys are, are you're jumping to conclusions, and you think it has to go this direction. Otherwise, I'm not going to be happy. That's clearly what you're saying. Because if if it was if it if they gave you Reed Richards in a little scene, and he all he did was just hand uh, Monica the keys, you would have been like, oh, greatest yeah. show ever. Greatest oh my show god! Ever. Even it, even in the post credits, they could. I was waiting for an additional post credit, even maybe just to clear up the Ralph Boner joke. Like maybe he was, maybe he was the the missing person or whatever for the CIA thing. And I told you, I'm pissed about that joke. That joke that that didn't land because that doesn't make sense. They they had it on even on the audio CC whatever it's called. Uh, they said it's Quicksilver from the Fox universe. So they clearly know what they're doing. He's wearing the same fucking costume he wears in the Fox universe. He had his room was almost like 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 all the little knickknacks and shit in the background was just like Fox Quicksilver. That was a, a fucking swing and a huge swing and a miss there. Nobody like I, I didn't find a single person who liked that joke. Ever, right. Even even like the fan theorists that like oh like you know like I'm gonna theorize but whatever I'm gonna go with it. They're like that joke didn't hit. They, what they did with that was was uh, completely. Uh, unforgivable like it not I mean not unforgivable but it, it just 
didn't didn't work. I, I don't know if you can say unforgivable because like I think you said this er- earlier, Frankie, like <laughs> what Marvel will probably do is like in a movie or another show down the line and just like a little like, 15 second scene, they'll explain exactly why that happened that way because of this, you know, yeah. like and I'm sure they are leaving these kind of trails behind that they're going to pick them up eventually because they've done that in the past. No, yeah. no, you're, no, but no. I won't. I, I won't have this. Tiffany, Musa back wants me up everything here. right now. He's so yeah. angry. Tiffany, back me up here. There's, they're getting. They're getting too rational here. Uh, Dar- Darcy, where the fuck was Darcy? <laughs> like we she crashed. Oh, everybody, into the, the everybody, bad guy, the cartoonishly bad. Yeah. Guy. She, okay, so, she so crashed we, into an FBI director or whatever. So we got her for five. Or... So we got her for five seconds, and then she bounced. We couldn't even like celebrate with her. She's so funny. Like, wh- why didn't we get her in the episode, Tiffany? Less CGI, more Darcy. <laughs> Yes, because we didn't have time. <laughs> well, like, and again, it, it, it literally was too easy and fast. Give me ten episodes. Why did Why did it stop at nine? Or you maybe hated it. You hated it. Why do you want more? How long was the last one? Uh, was it say like forty minutes? Like, like forty minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. You could have gone a full hour with a couple of those. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It, uh, but you know, and it's also like it's it's Disney. But we also know like the longer that episode goes, the more money that it's gonna cost. Well, yeah. that's true. So at, at, at some point, they're, they're going to like put it into it. And that's exactly what happened. They said, put a bow on it, figure it out. We're not, we're not going 10 episodes. Like, yeah. that's just what it is. I've already gone through my uh, stages of grief with this. <laughs> <laughs> Are we what in is grief? <laughs> what is grief if not love persevering? <laughs> she loves WandaVision. She just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> No, I, I got you, Tim. Yeah. Like, no. like I, I get what you're saying. I went through it. I, like, experienced it. And, like, you know, let's be honest. Like, I I don't regret watching it. I thought they did an excellent job. Even it's though still I would a have, great series. Yeah, I would have wanted I'm more. Still, it's still a very good series. But that's the best thing about it. Like, it's like they, they got out at the right time. Like, where we're, like, having all these discussions and people wanted more. And, like, they did what they did the job because we're talking about it and that we want more. And the thing about Marvel is that Marvel has gotten to the point where you expect more. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I do want to push back, go back a little bit and push back on something that, that Moose is saying about uh, the grief of the kids and stuff. I think at that point, once she's already like peeling everything back and stuff and like they're walking to the house, she's at that point, you can see in her face, she's torn about it, of course. She's she's feeling grief, and but she's also hasn't accepted it fully because when with with her lines with vision as well and what we see in the post credit scenes it, it acknowledges that she hasn't given up yet she hasn't uh decided that this is the last time she's gonna do her kids she's she's doing freaking magic that's beyond uh, dr strange and and doing astral projection and mastering the dark hold so she's trying to find a way so i feel like the like definitely the next movie they set it up for Doctor Strange for for her to, to mess with the multiverse and probably cause something happening there, uh, trying to find her kids and we'll find what what happens with White Vision with, with his Vision Quest completion. But I feel like what this whole thing, this whole series was about Wanda becoming the Scarlet Witch and it 100% accomplished that. She's going to master her powers. Uh, uh, just like Doctor Strange did, and she's going and she's gonna be awesome. And that costume, 
15 out of 10. Amazing. Yes. I wanted to bring that up. Like, first of all, the wardrobe throughout the entire series has been spectacular. It really has been. But god damn did elizabeth olsen look incredible as scarlet witch and and the costume itself like it looked like it was straight out of a movie a legitimate marvel theatrical film it it looked fantastic it had to be she's gonna wear it all the time right that's right she's gonna have to she's got yeah well (laughs) i think that's it that's that's the next this is her next costume listen she looks this is how she should just look going to the store absolutely (laughs) I will because hand her a, milk, because, a gallon of milk with that any day. Because regular Wanda, I'm just like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, did you guys notice a little uh, accents of her uh, on there, of the blue and the mm-hmm. purple from uh, Agnes? So, uh, so I saw somebody point this out, that Agnes, when Agnes stole the, the witch's powers in Salem, she her costume became yep. purple and blue. And now, yep. uh, when when uh, Wanda took took Agnes's powers, she's got the purple and the blue mixed in there. And I think mm-hmm. that looks great. That's it's such a like nice tone and visually right. uh, appealing. That's a great and, touch. And 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 the thing I you know I I wanted to think about was think about it this way. All these things happen. Yeah, you liked it. You didn't like it. Whatever. Whatever. But. Agnes is still alive. Yes. And Tiffany, I wrote that down as my favorite thing of this finale. If if they were only going to give me one thing, I I'm glad they vision gave... memes. What happened? Well, actually, you know what? You <laughs> you're got changing there. your that mind. You're, fi- you're finding more favorite things. But Musabai <laughs> has a giant notepad that he just keeps angrily pointing at the screen. He has many <laughs> notes that he's taken. I, Moose, Moose loved this finale. He's just making a scene to the good cop, bad cop. He's Skip Baylessing this thing. No right way. Now. He this is Skip Bayless. Tiffany, I, believe, I trust Tiffany's judgment. I, t- I trust Tiffany's honest. And I, I completely let Tiffany have her feelings because they're all they're valid. Moose, I think Moose is full of shit. No, no. I did not <laughs> like the finale. I'm being serious. Now, I, I still like the series as a whole, but but going back to what Tiffany said, yes, we want more Catherine Hahn. So I'm glad they didn't kill her off. They yes. put her in the perfect place. She's gonna she we will see her again, if not in Doctor Strange, in in, in possibly in Spider-Man. There's different scenarios where I could see her reappearing and just being this this really fun character throughout the MCU because We've been saying it all along. I think Catherine Hahn, for as phenomenal as Elizabeth Olsen was carrying this series, Catherine Hahn stole it. And, mm-hmm. and, and we all expected that because that's just what she does. She is a steen stealer and she's phenomenal. And she was Everything. able to play up every single bit of her strengths in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, absolutely. Everything we've seen her in, Parks and Rec, Step Brothers, mm-hmm. she just chews scenes and just steals the scene from everybody. Oh my gosh, she was the PR person in Parks and Rec. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was. Uh, she was. Um, what's this guy's name? Uh, the campaign manager for for Bobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bobby. Bobby Newport. <laughs> Bobby Newport. Bobby Newport. <laughs> I'm not saying she <laughs> eats. She eats dogs, but she might be a dog. <laughs> Um, before we go, I, I am curious on everyone's thoughts here. Christian, I'll go to you first. Vision versus Vision. Did that feel like a a good enough payoff as like one of your final battles in a finale. Yeah, I, it's kind of funny because for an episode that did have so much CGI and for the most part was like a battle episode, um, that they really didn't fight. And I thought that that was kind of a, a refreshing take on it. 
he really just immediately like I because I, I think White Vision said that I I you know my only uh you know command is to kill Vision, and mm-hmm. then he basically goes I'm not Vision, <laughs> which is the truth right. because he is not the real Vision. He's right. A, it was a, a really philosophical a move of Wanda's mind and powers. So and then he's able to kind of walk him through it. Obviously, show him his past of what the real vision was and how he died and you know and we all saw how it ended and i think he's obviously setting off to do some soul searching in terms of who he's going to be moving forward knowing knowing the full context now and essentially being unlocked it seems by which is wild too because i guess wanda's vision was a creation of wanda but still had the powers that the real vision seemed to have which makes you also wonder as to how far wanda's powers go and what's going to happen when she starts to lose i mean we assume that she's going to lose control of her powers in some form they refer to her magic as being chaos magic that was one of the Mm -hmm. things that that um uh, Agatha, I was about to call her Catherine Hahn. That was one of the things that she said, you know, during the big scene where he she called her the Scarlet Witch. Um, and, you know, chaos has a definition in physics and it actually refers to the base elements, you know, during the creation of the universe. And so I would imagine with, you know, we have the Eternals coming soon. I would imagine that Wanda's losing control of that power will somehow bridge us into this part of the MCU that has been completely untouched to this point. And so I think we're all curious how that's going to kind of jump into that. But I'm actually very happy where this ended all all together. I know that uh, you guys wanted a little bit more, but I thought they wrapped up the story real nice and they left us a few things to kind of like, obviously look at moving forward that I think are taking us in a pretty clear direction, even though we didn't get like the big Mephisto reveal or, or Reed Richards, you know. They so missed a golden opportunity. <laughs> Al Pacino as Mephisto. Like, how is that? It's just so perfect. But again, to Tiffany's point, you're going to use it up on a TV show. I mean, I would, but but I understand, you know. But you, the you made the it. point of why uh, earlier, uh, in an earlier episode, of why Doctor Strange wouldn't be used uh, as a cameo to the film rights. It'll be expensive. That's true. They're going to use that much money to bring Al Pacino for a five second cameo or whatever? Come on, bro. <laughs> they, got the, yo, they got the money for it, man. It's fucking Disney. They, they Let's be real for they a second. It would have been cool. It would have been cool if they did that. But who's to say Al Pacino wants to do these movies? He's, he's on that Scorsese. Wasn't he in that Dunkin' Donuts commercial? Did you guys all see that? That Dunkin' Donuts commercial where they're all dancing around and Al Pacino has like this crazy goatee? He'll do. I'm pretty sure he'll do whatever at this point, Frankie. Like, let's let's be real. As long as the check clears. (laughs) What about you, Tiff? What did you think about the Vision uh, versus Vision fight? I I liked it. I because I I kind of I also kind of felt like you've already got a major battle going on. So you don't want to take from what's happening between Wanda and Agatha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, cause to me, you, you're pulling focus from them and they should be the main focus of the final scene. Um, and it was all, also just kind of like, it started to put the bow, the bow on it where they both had that meeting of the minds and they both yeah. figured out, I am who I am. You are who you are. And it's definite, you are who you are. And he left it as to now what are you going to do with this mm-hmm. right you know which, so 
you know, yeah. So like, like Christian was saying, that left the door open also for us to see, you know, this, this version of vision come back in, in some form or another. And we've got how many movies coming at some point, I do yeah. believe he'll be showing up again. So Absolutely. it was sweet. I thought it was just kind of like, cause it was also, it also just kind of said, uh, it was also kind of, I guess like kind of the, the trauma of fighting yourself. Mm-hmm basically is what it was they you know i'm i'm fighting myself you know for like this essence of freedom to be who i want to be because basically vision the you know white vision was just under the the control of of sword he didn't you know he didn't know who he was he didn't have he didn't have a pulse of of any type of humanity until you know baby vision shared it with him it was almost like a a rebirth (laughs) i like that so much vision I love, um, and I Frank, love the, the the line. I'm sorry to cut you off, but no. I love what when he's like, uh, "Are you familiar with uh, the theory of, of Theseus?" And he goes, "Naturally, <laughs> <laughs> naturally." I was like, but "You guys ex- are such dicks." But <laughs> ex- explain it to me, just to make sure that we're both thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so good. Frankie, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this to you. I I wait. Can I, I liked- answer the vision question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, no, I, I liked it a lot. They did throw the action in, in, in the very beginning because um, this episode starts with a bang right away. Like, they're, they're fighting from the get-go. Uh, Agatha and Wanda going at each other. Uh, I, love, I love the scene uh, in the very beginning where Wanda throws the car at Agatha. And you see yes. Agatha's boots under there. Like the Wizard of Oz reference. Yes. Yeah. Did you also notice that when the when she threw the car at her, they cut away so you don't actually see the Buick yes. and hitting her? Because yeah. advertising dollar would hey. not have that. Heady play. Heady play. And then and then you see uh, Vision, White Vision, trying to crush Wanda's head. That was terrifying. I we all I mean we all knew she was gonna be safe, but that was right. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the vision, vision, throwing uh, white vision into the the Winnebago, blowing it up. That was cool. Um, I, I like they they got plenty of shots in. There was a lot of phasing in and out, uh, a lot of good action. But like Tiff said, the main event fight was Wanda and Agnes. And if you keep going with that, you're like, okay, what's going on? And in the most vision way possible, vision used his head. Mm-hmm. This is exactly vision had a monologue with freaking Ultron at the end of Age of Ultron. Of course he's gonna have a, a, a vision, he's gonna talk to Vision about it. It was great, I, I liked it, I thought it was really creative. I, I like it and it was true to his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm I'm more or less with you guys. Like I liked Vision versus Vision and I loved Definitely the was. way that, I loved the way that he did like that, that mind trick on him to kind of like a philosophical battle. Here's the part about it that I don't like though. I think we were all expecting finality with vision in, in, in this series, you know? And what I mean by that is like, okay, Wanda brought him back, but if this world can't exist and, and he's going to go away, then this is like our goodbye to vision. This felt like another one of those like kind of gimmicky ways to be like, nah, we're just going to keep the vision thing going for a while. And I understand that this is comic books and there's storylines that have this and all that. But part of it is like, well, you're not going to do that with Scarlet Witch. Like there are certain 
finality character moments that I think are pivotal to the overall story that the MCU has been building. And I think Vision's death is one of them. Uh, but this is all you've, you've seen in this, in this series. White Vision is very much not Vision yet. He, he's a, a parts of the old Vision that still has to discover himself. So, like, that, this is the whole vision quest where his journey isn't over. <laughs> we, are we pitching that to Disney? Because no, that's vision not quest bad. Is, vision quest is literally the comic title of what oh, part of this is okay. based off of. That, like, when he goes into white vision and he, beco- and he becomes, like... Vision. <laughs> when he becomes vision, he, vision. He, he has to, like, learn himself. In the comics, there's a, there's a panel where... He goes up to his uh, to Wanda and the boys, and she's like, "I'm not your father. I'm not your uh, your your mother's not my wife. I'm gonna k- destroy you guys or whatever." Yeah, so like he he is very much not himself, and he has to later become the Vision. This is exactly what it happens in the comics. Why are we mad that this is what happens in the comics now, Moose? Your your freaking anger is very pick and choosy here. And I'm getting no, confused. I just, is it I Uchi wanted Wally what I wanted, wanted and I want Mike? it now. <laughs> Jesus. Moose, are you are you an only child? I'm getting these vibes from you. Or nah, there's, def- there's definitely an age gap. There's definitely an age gap. There was an age gap, yeah. Uh, are you the youngest? <laughs> I am the youngest. By oh, here years. we go. I want it now. You heard it here first. I want it what I want, and I want it now. Kevin Feige, don't <laughs> fucking do this again. With that being said, though, had this been a binge, and we don't have the week-to-week of us like talking it all up and all that, I'm sure I would have different feelings on this finale. And, and I still applaud the series as a whole. Don't get it twisted. What Marvel did, especially with their first Disney Plus series, It is a massive accomplishment. This far exceeded anybody's expectations. It was the number one show globally. That is a fact. That is something remarkable. They they absolutely proved that they can do this with their side characters and really, really build it out. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, it it definitely wrapped up Wanda's journey as becoming Scarlet Witch. And we got from that point, and we still have more. Like, I don't think we ever wanted to get to a point where this is a series finale and we don't want these characters anymore. They, like These were characters, uh, when, when this show was pitched and, and was announced, how many people did you see who gives a shit? Nobody likes these characters. These are, I, I don't know anything about them. I don't care about these two characters. Oh, Wanda, could, Wanda was so selfish. She couldn't sacrifice her walking vibrator. Like, <laughs> like that, these were the takes we saw on Twitter and, and everywhere. That they didn't care. Now we care. This show did its job. It made these two characters way more likable, way more important. It introduced, uh, it reintroduced Jimmy Woo and made him awesome, made him lovable. Darcy was lovable as, as always. Monica successful Rambeau. With, I was going to say, Monica Rambeau, mm-hmm. they successfully backdoor introduced a new superhero. Uh, yeah. which is not easy to do. And, and it was to round of applause. Like she's, she's going to make me watch Captain Marvel too. Mm-hmm. And I have zero interest in Captain well, Marvel. Well, she's going to be in Secret Invasion first with Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. So that, I'm excited for that. Sam Jackson and, and uh, well, Nick Fury and, and Monica Rambeau f- fighting scrolls and, or, and uh, the Kree and all that. That's going to be awesome. I, I, that was one of the shows I was like, eh, eh. but now I'm, I'm fully in on that show. 
Um, but yeah, it was. It's like that. And of course, Agatha. We Agatha was was a great villain, even though yes. we, most of us thought it was going to be a, a bigger bad. But who's to say the bigger bad doesn't come out in Doctor Strange too? These are these is one of those things where it gave us a really good series, really enjoyable uh, nine weeks, uh, and it left us that it more. was that right, it was right. it you was a complain. fun fun ride. Yes, like and I'm still with you guys on Ralph Boner that sh- that dick joke sucks. Yeah, that was horrible uh, phrasing. So uh, I just want to get then I want to get just around the room really quick. Final thoughts now that it's all over, Frankie. I I. I hear you, buddy, and I'm totally agreeing with you. I want to throw it over to Tiffany. Just now that it's all said and done, satisfied, final grade. Were you happy that you joined the ride? Uh, I'm satisfied. I'm I'm definitely happy I joined the ride. I think that um, it, in removing myself from it for a couple of weeks or a month, I may feel totally different as far as, oh, I wanted more. Like a month from now, I might be like, you know what? That was it. That was that was the perfect amount of information that they shared, that they gave, the acting, the cast, the crew, everything. Um, I wasn't disappointed in the writing because, you know, that happens too. It falls flat and they just try to save it with some CGI and, and, and a boner <laughs> joke. Exactly. So, I, I, you know what? I think, you know, for this being like their first Disney Plus, like, big reveal, it was incredible. Yeah. Christian, your final thoughts on WandaVision? Um, yeah, I honestly, uh, I loved it. Um, I I thought the ending, I did have my issues with the ending too. Um, I thought that they could have kept going, you know, deeper into the story and just the direct conflict without getting so cartoony about the battle. But I thought like the way that the first, especially the first four to five episodes were executed was just perfect, especially having known everything that we learned throughout the show. Like, I want to go back and watch the show again, having known all of that. I, I right. really thought, like, I think it's, it's a little something special when you're expecting something going in and you get something totally different to the point that you're not even sure if you like it. But, you know, you see it all the way through and it rewards you at the end. And ultimately, you know, I, I get that Marvel's been doing this a lot lately, but the story was about Wanda dealing with her loss and figuring out how she did what she did and it the story did take you there now it's very curious to see where wanda goes from here where you know white vision goes from here um but i'm obviously very excited you know and then like you like uh you know like you guys were saying the introduction of photon a whole new hero like they did a lot with this limited series and i'm very excited for fal i wasn't that excited for like falcon and the winter soldier but i'm pumped now because now you know like i feel like they got my expert my expectations sky high well they showed you that they're going to be delivering something at least entertaining that'll keep your attention and coming keep coming back for the next episode uh frankie your just your final thoughts on wandavision and and if you can actually why don't you give me your favorite moment of wandavision Ooh, um i i loved it it was a great series. I, I, you know, I'm defending the finale. I'm mostly just attacking your criticisms. The, oh, I know the, you are. That's fine. I mean, no, the, no, but I, I, I go for it. Go, go. <laughs> no, but like the finale did have a lot of flaws. Uh, the boner joke, just that that reveal, like really brought the whole series for Frank. No, it, 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 <laughs> it, it, that was one of the best moments of the series. The the Quicksilver reveal. Yeah. And it 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 came out for nothing. Like it was for nothing. So hey. Uh, uh, 
hey. Um, <laughs> Baby. But the, that, uh, the finale, I, I give it like 8 out of 10. Uh, it, was, it was solid. They definitely could have gone harder, like you guys said. Um, but I, overall, they wrapped up the story nice and neat. Um, I enjoyed the journey, definitely. Um, and I, I think it's one of those things that going forward in the MCU, they've set themselves up nicely so that when you go back to WandaVision, you'll appreciate it even more. Um, I'll probably say my favorite moment uh, was the Malcolm in the Middle uh, intro. That was so great. And oh, that whole yeah. episode, I love that episode so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so look, I, I'm with you guys. I... I didn't like the finale. I'm not going to defend it in any way because I don't think that they nailed the landing. However, I think overall the series was incredible. They, they far exceeded what they set out to do. Um, I do think that it is in the upper tier of Marvel entertainment projects that they have done. Uh, and again, like I said earlier, I'm not going to let the fan theory expectations that I had built up in my head ruin what they ultimately accomplished. Um, so they should be celebrated for that. Elizabeth Olsen was phenomenal. Catherine Hahn was phenomenal. Darcy, Jimmy Woo, everybody that played a role in this show really deserves all the credit in the world. Everyone except for the person that wrote the Ralph Boner joke. Yeah, we're missing Chris and, and whoever gave you the, the Krasinski tease. Uh, that guy, fuck that guy too. You know? It was the same guy that told me that the final three episodes would be an hour long. Yeah, Moose just—I I don't know where Moose got his information from, but he, the, whoever that guy is, was terrible. Was was probably Ralph Boner. He just fucked with Moose the whole time. <laughs> Tiff, what was your favorite scene or moment? Oh, hmm. And Christian, we're coming to you next. I, I, did I give mine actually? No. You did it, but you're, you'll you'll get it right after. Chris. Okay, I, all right, yeah, I, that's fine. I think it was um, ooh, uh, hmm, the oh, it was the the span of the pregnancy and then the delivery. Oh, that was great. Like I think that was probably like my absolute because then you also had a, a mixture of where Monica was in and out of character. Right, and then, right. So for me, it was the reveal of the twins and also the reveal that, oh, Monica doesn't belong here. That Definitely. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how they uh, they framed uh, uh, Wanda's character as like in the sitcom, like trying to get like, oh, my God, uh, <laughs> she's hiding behind a plant or something, yeah. hiding the belly, trying to hide the belly everywhere. That was so, such a great moment. Good call. Yeah. Good call. What about you, Christian? What's your favorite moment or scene i don't know i guess probably like i think i think it probably was just the scene where wanda went to go look for her kids at agatha's house mm -hmm. and just like because i thought i just thought that was probably the most engaged i was during the show i don't know if maybe that's me saying that it kind of fell off after that but I thought it set the tone really well for what was to come because even as Wanda was sitting there looking around, obviously, you know, they, they, they showed the bug on the curtain, which ended up being a distraction more than anything, but you could just kind of feel that she was not in control for really the first time in this entire show. Um, and I just thought, I thought it was a really well executed finish to that episode. An episode that was actually really fun. It was probably my favorite episode of the show. 
but and then just obviously find, seeing the big reveal of, of Agatha Harkness and her taking control of uh, Wanda before the episode ended. I thought that was just I, I thought it was a great ending to what was a really strong episode in the show. And you got the Agatha all along right after that. Exactly. And the, yeah, the song, which is still with me in my playlist to this day. Like, you know. Listening to it over and over while Moose talks. <laughs> 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 Go ahead, Moose. Get your, get your scene or moment in. Well, so I, I think I mentioned it earlier, the, the scene where they start having the argument over the credits. Uh, for oh, yeah. me, that was... That was by far, for me personally, the most impactful moment of the series. Um, and then I also have to just give my love to all of the intros of like the sitcom intros. Like they were just, it was my favorite. The like, commercials too. The yeah. commercials, the commercials were great. Those little things, those little sitcom uh, moments that were just so unique and so unexpected uh, going into the series. Like for me, that was just really like one of those uh, artistic things that really set it apart from everything else. Moose is also mad at Thanos because the commercials weren't about the <laughs> Infinity Stones. Oh my God, that's another theory. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It is your host, Alex Musabai, and I can't thank you enough for listening to Stream Beat Podcast. And I'm really excited to tee up this next segment. Now, unfortunately, Frankie was not able to join us for the interview, but I had the pleasure of spending some time with senior entertainment reporter for TheObserver.com, Brandon Katz. And he was incredibly gracious with his time. We were able to talk about Marvel projects, um, just the overall distribution landscape of the film industry moving forward. And I was able to just pick his brain on a bunch of different topics, and he was phenomenal. So I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview with Brandon Katz. For sure, but, yeah, no, we could absolutely. So you asked, what does this have to do with the Miami Heat? That's a perfect <laughs> yes. place to start. So we're actually a spinoff podcast, if you will. We're, we're okay. a Miami Heat-based podcast. We work with Blue Wire, and um, we've been around for like eight years now. Uh, and a lot of us in the crew, myself mainly, have been banging the drum for let's just have <laughs> like a, a movies or TV podcast because we're always we talking about it anyways. So what started off as a joke with, yeah, we're going to start Stream Beat Podcast. Like, literally, it was just me and Frankie. We're <laughs> making that joke nonstop. And then we started asking people to be on our podcast without actually having a podcast. Like, there we Brandon, go. The, the first time I reached out to you, we didn't even have a logo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look how far you've come in such and a short how, time. Look how far we've come. Uh, so I, I, just to, to let the people know, uh, we're joined with Brandon Katz, senior entertainment reporter for Observer.com and co-host of Postcred Podcast, which I highly recommend, as Thanks, well as much watch, uh, must-watch Netflix edition, which I definitely need to, to check that out. Um, Brandon, can't thank you enough for joining us. And uh, I'm, I'm obsessed with the <laughs> movie industry and just how it's changing and and there was nobody else that I thought would be better to talk to about this than you. So I can't well, thank you enough for being it. here. Thank you for having me, man. And you know what? I'm a huge Jimmy Butler and NBA fan. So like we could just switch roles All a little right. bit. I and love just it. Do a little, I love you it. Know, freaky Friday over here. <laughs> a little pick and roll action with some cinema and some, and some hoops. I there love we it. Go. Um, Brandon, I really just wanted to, to get your opinion on, like I was saying, just the change in distribution. Um, and by that, I mean, we're not seeing the box office rollouts now, Granted, that is, you know, COVID is keeping the, the theaters closed and all that. 
But I do feel like we were we were going to get to this point eventually. It just it, it accelerated to an extreme. So I guess what I want to ask you is, have we hit the point of no return? Do you see the traditional box office rollout coming back? That is a great question. I think you prefaced it perfectly, my friend. You're right. You know, we were already heading towards this transition pre-COVID. Direct-to-consumer business, aka streaming, was becoming the primary focus of multiple entertainment entities. You know, linear studios, traditional studios that have existed for decades. COVID and the pandemic in general merely expedited the path we were already on. So we've now seen, I think it's five or six major corporations restructure, whether that be Disney or Viacom CBS or Warner Media or NBC Universal, restructure to prioritize streaming going forward. That's going to be the top priority across the board. But is the traditional theatrical box office rollout dead? No, I don't think movie theaters in general will ever go extinct. I think they will take on less of a dominant factor in the overall movie distribution network than we're used to. I think everything that's a blockbuster, you know, talking your Marvel, your DC movies, um, you know, a, a, a Wonder Woman 1984, an Avengers Endgame, those are always going to be released first and foremost in theaters because that is how studios make the most of their money. It is mm -hmm. extremely difficult, if not impossible, still at this point to turn a profit on a 200 million some odd blockbuster strictly through either like streaming or PVOD sales. But everything that isn't a high profile, $100 million budgeted and upward movie, you know, like Universal's been doing with their mid-budget comedies and rom-coms, I think that is what you'll see more so go to PVOD first, go to streaming, or, you know, go on those really, really, really rescinded theatrical windows that are like 17 days, 25 days, what have you. So uh, I don't think theaters will ever die, but I do think they will be only be reserved moving forward for the biggest and brightest. Yeah, well, you brought up a couple of points that I wanted to get to. We'll start with just the, I noticed that each studio is almost trying to top the other one in terms of like, okay, Paramount Plus. So in 45 days, we'll give you this movie. Now, Disney, they have all the franchises. If you pay a little bit more, you can watch this now. Do you think we're going to get to a point where studios are going to come together to find a common ground in the sense of like, okay, we're going to have movies come out and then in 30 days, it'll be at video on demand. Or are they all going to try and continue topping each other as they all build out their own platforms? I can tell that you are already a professional interviewer because these are just right off the bat, extremely insightful questions that you don't <laughs> well, always you. get. Uh, phenomenal question. Phenomenal kind of hypothetical to bring up. Obviously, everyone's doing their own thing right now. we got Universal at 17 days for movies that un open under 15 million, 50 million and 31 days for movies that open over. We got Disney Plus, like you said, day and date, PVOD. We've got Paramount Plus, 30 to 45 days. And we've got Warner Media right now rocking a day and date release for the 2021 theatrical slate. Mm -hmm. I think overall, long term, you'll probably see it shake out on average to Paramount's 30 to 45 day window. I think that's genuine, generally going to be what it is across the way. But I don't think there's ever going to be some type of cross-studio agreement in place or conversation. I think that runs very dangerously close to uh, um, collusion, which, uh, you well, know, obviously yeah. is, is a <laughs> we is bring a big, it back to sports. <laughs> yeah. And it's a big you know, point of focus with the, with the DOJ, with all these mergers and everything right now. 
But uh, I, I think everyone right now is still in the experiment phase. You know, Warner Brothers says that this experiment is only for 2021 and they'll go back to normal once 2022 rolls around. It's going to be pretty hard to put the genie back in the bottle. I think Disney right. Plus with a Mulan and a Raya and the Last Dragon, even though neither necessarily looks like a smash hit on paper thus far, it's all experimentation. It's all data gathering. Eventually, they are going to find where the tipping point is in terms of release strategy, uh, type of content, timeline, and price point. And you're just going to see the floodgates open in that regard. But uh, yeah, long term, you know, I, I think 30 to 45 days where Paramount is is probably going to be the the norm for blockbusters at some point. Yeah, and, and I think you brought up a great point earlier when you said that those middle tier films, if you will, like uh, I, I always use this example. I'm a big fan of Wedding Crashers and Knocked Up, those R-rated comedies. Unfortunately, we're not seeing studios really swinging for the fences with those anymore because they're just not generating the box office return. Whereas I feel with streaming, we're going to get a resurgence of those middle tier films. I feel like there's finally going to be a place for people like myself that want to see it. It's just a different experience at home. Um, so my question to you is, do you think that studios are now going to be more willing to fund those types of middle tier films? And are they going to be more receptive to just, okay, let's put it on our streaming platform. There's going to be a place for it. There's clearly an audience for it. I think what you've seen with Netflix and how they've revived not only the, the teen drama, but the rom-com, how they're basically serving as a G League development type league for talent. You see Ali Wong do two killer specials, then co-star in Tuka and Birdie, then write and star in Always Be My, my, my uh, Always Be My Maybe. You know, it's like this homegrown development pipeline of talent. So I think other streamers are going to look at that and try to kind of pickpocket what works. I think one of the side effects that no one's really talking about, about these shortened theatrical windows, is probably an industry-wide increase in the volume of movies that are being made across yeah, the entire point. spectrum, both for theatrical and for streaming. Now, Disney's never really going to go out of its lane. I don't think they're going to make a Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, which is the kind of flashiest <laughs> comedy of 2021 thus far, the streaming you know, exclusive for the most part. Uh, but I think you'll see other uh, studios like a Warner Media, like an NBC Universal, like a Vi Viacom CBS, and like streaming only platforms such as like an Amazon and Netflix that are already in that space continue to do so for sure. The, the restrictions of a theatrical release is generally speaking, you know, we need four quadrant mass appeal to try to generate as many ticket sales as possible. Whereas streaming and to a certain extent, PVOD, not, so, uh, not as much, is a more forgiving environment, which you can definitely take a few more risks. And, uh, you know, the margins aren't as thin, usually. You mentioned earlier that with um, PVOD movies, you're just not going to get back the same return that you would with a, a traditional box office rollout with international dollars. And that all makes sense. But my question to you is, are, are they going to now rework contracts where you know, the, the directors, the actors and all that, instead of those back end points that they would have gotten with theater films, it's going to be now moving towards streaming because I, like, like we keep saying, traditional box office rollouts will probably still be around, but studios just need to prepare for video on demand is going to be the way that the mass audience wants to watch these things. So they need to find a way to re-incentivize the talent, if you will. Absolutely. And it's funny 
obviously Warner Brothers, HBO Max, huge drama because they didn't let anyone outside of a few key partners know that they were going to drop their entire 2021 theatrical slate on HBO Max day and date. Now, technically speaking, legally speaking, can you curse on this podcast? Fuck yeah. (laughs) They didn't owe anybody shit, all right? If your agent ahead of time did not think ahead and say, I'm going to include language for this theatrical blockbuster to be rerouted to streaming and my client gets a cut of that, however it is that you guys figure that out. If you didn't include any language, you're not technically entitled to anything. The reason HBO Max and Warner Brothers paid out tens of millions of dollars is to maintain talent relations. But in the aftermath of that, there were immediately reports that Marvel Studios was going back to talent and saying, hey, we still don't know how the pandemic is going to play out. So we are adding in language to this contract so both sides are protected and rewarded to some regards. And absolutely moving forward, whether it is a no-name sitcom that's debuting on NBC with the hopes of becoming, you know, the next good place, the next modern family, what have you, to massive blockbusters, that language will be standard for every single entertainment lawyer in Hollywood. Anyone who's not doing that doesn't deserve to be negotiating contracts. And since you have a obviously a much clearer ear to the ground with the actual entertainment industry than I do, I'm just curious how actors, directors, the actual talent side of it, how do they feel about streaming? Are they, are they more open to it the way the general public is? That's a good question. I would say it's probably a case-by-case basis. You know, obviously we've got the Christopher Nolans and the Steven Spielbergs who are certainly viewed as a threat to cinema. And frankly, in, in a certain point of view, they are correct. Uh, but I also think at the end of the day, a lot of talent, including someone like Martin Scorsese, who has said this before, listen, if, if they're going to give me the money to create my vision and to, to, you have a very adorable dog, by the way, I can see it in the back. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm a big Melody loves making an appearance in the podcast. Melody, Notorious. respect. She, she knows that she's the true star. Screw exactly. the guest, screw the host, it's Melody. <laughs> um, but you've seen, like, it, it's so hard theatrically and, and on linear television to get some of these more ambitious, big budget projects made that if streaming is going to fork over the money and give you complete creative freedom, then I view that personally as a positive thing overall. And I think a lot of talent does, but again, case by case basis, completely subjective. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And, you know, going back to those middle tier uh, films, like we were talking about, I think one of the surprise hits of the pandemic was uh, Palm Springs on Hulu. Um, I don't think that movie would have hit if it was in box office. I I know for for sure, and this is not a slam at Andy Samberg, but I wouldn't have seen it if it was in the theaters, you know? I've become very stingy in terms of what I'm actually gonna spend my money on because it's so expensive. But I was able to see it and enjoy it at home because it was just through the benefit of streaming. So you're probably right where it's a case by case basis, but I I do see how this could benefit a vast majority of the projects that are in the pipeline right now. I mean, it's always beneficial to get as many eyes on a project as possible. And, and sometimes, like John M. Chu, who did Crazy Rich Asians, he had a lucrative offer from Netflix. He said, no, I want as many people to see this in theaters because I think it's a, a touchstone of representation. It's something, you know, American audiences rarely see. And I think that's a great, uh, a great use of, you know, your, your deliberate choice making in Hollywood. And then other times, you, you know, a smaller film, like maybe like a Palm Springs, uh, there's a million other examples from re- recent years that wouldn't necessarily break through theatrically. Suddenly, 20 million, 30 million, 40 million people have access to it and it becomes a, a sleeper hit. So it is so interesting, the give and take when you're kind of deciding 
what part of the equation do I want to invest in? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Moving off the streaming thing just a, a little bit because, you know, while we have you, Brandon, I know you're a, a massive Marvel fan. So I did want to get <laughs> your take on just a couple of things on the way out. Number one, I have had this take for a while now, and I think, I think I'm trying to get my co-host to come around on it. So I'm going to see how you feel. Hit me. I, think, I think Marvel has completely missed their window on Black Widow. Um, I, I'll be honest, I'm not even really that excited for it anymore. I think they could have gotten me to pay $50 for it at one point during the pandemic. Um, but now I, I just, I'm not about it. If anything, now WandaVision has made me just want to look forward. Um, how do you feel about Black Widow? Do you see it getting the traditional rollout and do you see it hitting the way it would have maybe a year ago? Well, I agree with you that it's at one point I would have paid $50 for it as well. Like no hands down, yeah. no hesitation. I think now that we're seeing a slight return to normalcy, the, the early seeds of returning to normalcy, my demand isn't quite as high for Black Widow. Uh, I think you make a great point that the Marvel audience in general is going to want to keep looking forward. Now, there are rumors completely unconfirmed that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier may connect to Black Widow in some way. I don't, I don't know how. Again, that's completely unconfirmed. So we'll see if maybe that reinvigorates interest I think the reason why they didn't go Disney Plus premiere access earlier is because they still maintain internally that this can make a billion dollars under, you know, the best of circumstances. Clearly, with the release date still at May 7th, it's not going to be the best of circumstances, but could it be the first quote-unquote successful blockbuster, whatever dollar amount that may be in a pandemic? I still think so, yes. I still think there's there's huge demand for it. And even though it's got a lot working against it narratively, both as a prequel, both as a, a, a movie built around a character whose endgame we actually know, no pun intended on that one, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I still think it could be quite successful. And again, you know, we, we need Black Widow to introduce Florence Pugh's character before we see her in Hawkeye. So in terms of the right. actual uh, narrative timeline of the MCU, we still need this to arrive in one form or the other soon. I could see it getting delayed a couple more weeks, maybe taking F9's later May uh, debut. At, at some point, I think they have to consider, depending on foot traffic and theaters at that point, a day and date release, just like they did with Ryan the Last Dragon and, you know, a 30 plus dollar price point on Disney Plus premiere access, something like that. So I'm going to throw a complete hypothetical to you, and please forgive me for being so pessimistic. It's just my nature. <laughs> Let's say things don't work out this year in terms of people going back to the theater. Uh, and we know that Marvel is meticulous in the way that they plan things out, even in some cases up to a whole decade out. So the release of certain projects within a certain window is critical. Let's say we don't get back to the theaters. What's holding Kevin Feige back from those premier video on demand releases? Because he can't wipe the slate clean this year. That's going to that's gonna throw off an entire decade worth of production. <laughs> is it the international box office money that's holding him back? And again, this is purely hypothetical yeah. saying that theaters don't open. Well, overseas, they're doing much better than us. I mean, you look at China and Japan, they've recently set national box office records. So Incredible. clearly America is just lagging behind as, as always in these things, unfortunately. Uh, listen, 2020 was supposed to see Black Widow, uh, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Eternals, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, I don't, yeah. I don't see them going another year delaying massive blockbusters to a significant proportion. I, I think 
at worst, Black Widow will be delayed till midsummer-ish, at worst. And if not, if the if the theatrical situation's still shitty, I very much expect him to just bite the bullet, be like, okay, day and date release, Disney Plus premiere access, whatever theaters are open in America, and a huge push overseas to try to recoup that la- lost revenue. Uh, you know, Disney Plus, now with WandaVision leading directly into uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier in one week, we're spinning, we're spinning real hard with Marvel. Yeah. It's up and running. He doesn't want to jam up the gears yet again for the sake of the timeline. And I think, you know, by uh, Shang-Chi in July, by uh, Eternals in November, fingers crossed, you know, yeah, we are yeah. back, back to like 75%. So I, I just don't see him pressing pause on such a massive backlog of content hundreds of millions of dollars just sitting there on the shelf that's already been delayed several times. So I, I think Feige is optimistic and realist at the same point. He's pushed Black Widow as far as it could possibly go. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And and I, I still hold out hope that uh, Black Widow is going to be a fun film. It's more so just I was way more excited about it, let's say, six months ago, you know? Yeah, I, um, I would agree with that as well. I, I think it'll be fun because it's got a, a, a Russian spy family at the center, and that seems cool. But you're right. I mean, like pre-WandaVision, pre-Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right on our doorsteps, I was definitely more excited. We were hungry for MCU content. It had been 18 months. Starving for it. I, yeah. I, I'm, I was literally saying that they could have put a $90 price point on it, and people would have purchased it. And I know that I would have just because <laughs> I was desperate for anything. I would have paid a lot of money. Maybe not $90, but I would have paid a lot of money for Black <laughs> Widow. If you had told me, like, you know, November, October, something like that, I, I would have jumped at it. So Brandon, just on the way out, I got to ask you two last things. One, I need, I need your opinion on the WandaVision finale because me and my co-host <laughs> are polar opposites on the way we're viewing it. Uh, I was extremely disappointed. I love the series as a whole. I cannot applaud Marvel enough for what they accomplished and especially with their first series. I think it is an, an incredible feat. But the way that they just duped us all with the finale and it felt like they threw it in a microwave just really quick and easy... I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I was underwhelmed. How how did you feel about the WandaVision finale and the series as a whole? So the finale specifically, I was a little underwhelmed from, for narrative and execution reasons, though they really had nothing to do with fan theories turning out to be incorrect. It was more so the way they went about closing certain plot lines I I didn't love. Uh, From an emotional payoff standpoint, I thought it was wonderful. I thought The goodbye scene between Vision and Wanda was probably my favorite sequence of the entire show. I thought it revealed itself to be what it always was, and that wasn't a mystery box. It wasn't a multiverse machination. It was a love story. It was uh, really just a message that to find one's life purpose in life, you you need only go so far as your loved ones. And I think that's a really powerful... Uh, a message to send and and overall I think kind of it's it's risky ambitious deliberately weird format and styling was really enjoyable especially after 23 films of over 13 years of more or less the same flavor you know Marvel Mm -hmm. is a very producer driven formula and that's okay it raises its high floor of quality but some of them can kind of come off feeling a bit flavorless every now and then so I really liked where WandaVision went its commitment to the bit its weirdness and I understand why fans are disappointed that all their theories didn't pan out. But I will say that if you rewatch the show, there's no real evidence to a lot of these fan theories. It's just us having fun and speculating. So I, I don't want to say the show 
duped us. But I will say I understand as a burned lost fan why some some viewers <laughs> feel that way. I mean, really, it was just the boner joke. The boner joke was what <laughs> broke it broke the straw for me. I was like, all right, I, I'm out on this. I'm out yeah, on this. I wasn't a fan. And, and if we're talking about Pietro specifically, that was one where I'll say, you know, why cast Evan Peters when you know it's going to invite a bombardment of speculation if you're only going to pull the rug out from under us? That's not a red herring. That's deliberately taking it a step further to mess Correct. with your audience. And because Wanda and him shared a very important conversation about their shared childhood trauma, I think this was episode five, episode six, mm -hmm. uh, their background, and it helped us kind of paint in where Wanda came from and, and why she is the way she is now. To then reveal that it's just some guy named Ralph Boner, I think undercuts the thematic potency of that mid-season story arc and, and really kind of undermines the own, your own narrative attention, uh, intentions just for a silly joke and, and just to mess with the reviewers for messing sake. So that one I didn't I, like. It was just remarkable to me because the writing was so great up until then and everything felt so grounded and so real. And then they threw in a boner joke. It was like, that's what I said. Like, it felt like they just threw it in the microwave, like really quick and easy. Like, but, like a, but a boner joke, you know, said, of all the jokes. <laughs> of all the jokes. But with that being said, I mean, the performances all around, the series as a whole, like Marvel really pushed the boundaries with this and I think they absolutely delivered um my my last question for you is just what what are you looking forward to this year in terms of movies television is there anything that's high on your list that you're hopefully if, if we're back in theaters are looking for like an opening weekend type uh type film I'm really looking forward to Dune on the blockbuster front. Uh, you know, I actually am not a huge fan of the book. I know that's blasphemy because it's considered kind of the seminal sci-fi novel, but I am a just massive unending fan of Denis Villeneuve. And I, I'm probably butchering, butchering that because it's a difficult name. So I apologize. Nobody can say the name. Don't worry. It, it's tough. <laughs> so, so I'm really excited for that. On the less blockbustery front, I'm really excited for A24's The Green Knight with Dev Patel. I'm really excited for... Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, you know, all movies that were delayed about a year, which has sucked. Uh, I'm on, on TV, there's just, there's so much at all times. I really hope Netflix's live action Cowboy Bebop arrives this year. I saw really you tweeting about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really excited for that as, as a fan of the anime. Um, I think Nicole Kidman's Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu, reteaming with David E. Kelly, who did Big Little Lies and uh, The Undoing with her. I'm sure that'll be, if, if not amazing, highly enjoyable schlock much like i think the undoing was <laughs> so definitely looking forward to that you know there's a lot across both like the quote-unquote prestige drama and like the nerdy blockbusters that i'm looking forward to yeah absolutely i mean i i think we're actually going to be in store for a really fruitful 2021 and that's mainly because you know we, we're so backlogged from everything from last year so there's definitely things coming up i mean not even talking about Marvel's, you know, Shang-Chi and, and yeah. Spider-Man and all that. Um, I think you're going to have a healthy dose of, you know, those middle tier films that we're talking about, TV, movies. I think there's going to be a lot for people to enjoy on multiple platforms and many more platforms to come, I'm sure. I think in terms of Marvel, my number one most anticipated project is probably Eternals, then Loki on Disney+. Plus. Those two I'm like through the moon excited for. Yeah, yeah, no, and with rumors that there may be a second season of Loki, um, you, you know that that's definitely going to deliver. And I, I would say look out for uh, Kang the Conqueror, Jonathan Majors, to appear in Loki. Oh, all right, a little insider stuff there. That's, I love that's, it. That's what I would say. <laughs>
Well, Brandon Katz, I cannot thank you enough for joining us. This was, of all the interviews that I uh, booked ahead of time, this was the one that I was looking forward to the most. So Much really, thank you for stopping by. You're very altruistic with your compliments and praise. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you for having me, man.